Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the podcasting table with my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. How are you? We are taking you through our seasonal training methods and progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider. And on to episode number 42. And today we want to talk about, among other things, uh, sleep strategies. Yes, sir. One of your favorite topics. Yes, it is. Sleeping. I love sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night before we went to bed, and we're in the RV up in Winter Park, Colorado, you said, oh, I'm so excited to go to bed. And it was really cute. <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> Sleep is an amazing thing. And I mean, for just general health for anybody and everybody, uh, but also it's connected very tightly to performance as right, well. Right. So. I'm assuming anyone listening to this podcast is, you know, a, an endurance athlete of some sort and we're seeking ways to improve our performance, whether it's just being able to ride your local trails or roads, you know, with more enjoyably, or you're pursuing podium spots at a race or, you know, anywhere in between that. So well, many people have different goals for their race fit or their bike fitness, but everybody wants to feel good each day and have overall good health. And, I definitely have seen how sleeping better has made me just feel better as a person, um, and I contribute that a lot, attribute that a lot to you. Um, I've had some sleep anxiety over the years, um, and we can get into that when we hit the main topic. But you've helped me just sort of in, like basically like going to bed better, like sleeping sleeping is a good thing, not a kind of a stressful thing. Yeah, and that's a key. And I've I've read a, a few books recently. Um, and one of the main takeaways of this one in particular was just changing the concept of sleep. Most people have this concept of sleep as something we have to do. You're like, ugh, I guess it's time for bed. Right. And like, <laughs> that's like so childish really. Right. Right. And, and maybe be proud of the fact that oh, I'm, I only get five or six hours of sleep and you know, I'm doing fine. And yeah, changing that thought process around of sleep where it's like something you actually get to do and like being excited about it and, and yeah. maximizing its function to help you improve your right. life, your health and your performance. So we'll, we'll dig into that. Um, but before we do, um, yeah, we always start with what we've been up to. Fascinating things always, right? Right. Well, you've had like <laughs> a, um, a codication this week or what does our friend Sarah call it? One of your vision quests. Vision quest. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like codication. So what has your codication been for the well, past week? Okay, well, so after our recovery week last week, um, kind of during that, I came up with this wonderful idea yes. because we were supposed to be out and about traveling to races this summer, which didn't happen. Um, why don't we go up to Winter Park, which is about 90, less than 90, an hour and 15 minutes from our house. It's 9,000 feet in the mountains mm -hmm. of Colorado. I mean, kind of the classic Colorado uh amazing mountain bike trails, which is what I was really interested in doing is mountain biking. And um, coming up and spending the three weeks we would have been gone doing other things, um, just being up in the mountains and riding and getting altitude exposure and that and, sort of and thing. And lower temperatures, because you were not a fan. That's right. I've already the, forgotten about the heat. Yeah. Yeah. You've already forgotten about it. You were not a fan of the 95 degrees we were getting in It was so in hot in Denver. Denver. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty tough. If you didn't get out the door like at 6.37, 7.30, you were kind of hosed for, yeah. your, for your ride. And I'll take 90 plus degrees over like snowing any day. Yeah. But the 90 plus degrees every day 
wears on a person. That you know, it's not my favorite. Yeah. So well, you had the option of being flexible with your location for work, so you took advantage yeah. of of that. Yeah, and so we, I kind of tried to be smart about it, and so it's. Th- I'm going to be up here for three weeks at about 9,000 feet elevation. So it'll be a really interesting experiment, like N equals one, to see of what is... I've never spent three weeks straight at 9,000 feet elevation. So okay. it'll be interesting just to see what happens, what improves you know, from a power output standpoint and that sort of thing when I return home. So that'll be interesting. And then also we uh, put together with our redevelopment team kind of a week... I'm hesitating calling it a training camp. We're sort of calling it the Corona camp. Um, But it's more just like a get-together and ride, Mm -hmm. and we're going to work on um, some social media things and put some videos together with the team um, for the coming season and all that sort of thing. So so the the middle week of the three weeks I'm up here is we're all going to... You are going to be here at... We're all going to be here, like, riding in the morning yep, and yep. making videos and having fun in the afternoon. Yeah, and that so. starts tonight. The kids are going to roll into town yeah. um, this afternoon and get the condo, and we have intervals planned and some fun rides planned, and maybe even pop over to Vail on Wednesday night for their weekly uh, race series. That's right. We no, it's not weekly. It's like a bi- Every other week. Yeah, every other week or something. Um, um, but, yeah, it's not like our high-volume camp we did in Arizona right after Christmas. This is a basic training week we would have at home, but just a chance to bond as a team and get some social media stuff done. And sadly, three of the kids can't come up. Um, two of the, of the riders, Nate and Blake are tackling the Colorado trail. Right. Good luck um, to them. Yep. I, I hope it's a good experience. And I mean, there's always going to be ups and downs when you attempt something like that, but I'm hoping they stay safe and yeah, they're going self-supported from the southern end to the northern end. Right. So from Durango to Denver, essentially. Exactly. So we will miss them, though. They're a fun addition. And then um, Mia is recovering from hitting her head, and so we're, we're hoping she'll come up for a little bit to see us, but she can't ride out on the trails with us yet. So um, anyway, we're looking forward to it, and... Um, but I skipped over the codication part. You you were up here without me last week because I couldn't make it up because of stuff at home. And you had so much fun. You yeah. rode and um, you pulled out your fly fishing rod yeah. from 18 years ago. Yeah, I got to go fly fishing most afternoons. Um, and yeah, got some really good training in. And, and, and also, I was highly productive. I'm very proud of myself. Um, <laughs> just being away from home and distractions of like everyday life. Yeah. It's like I... I got up for the first few hours of each morning. I did a lot of computer work, updating our website. We got a lot of cool things we're working on for 2021, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, And doing a lot of just planning and and production of things there. And then I'd go ride for two, three hours, Mm -hmm. um, get the riding in. Then I'd come back, have some lunch, and then um, go fishing. And then for several hours into the evening, um, I'd get back on the computer and work on stuff. So... It was just highly productive as well. So, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, that I'm having a great time. Good. Well, I'm happy to be up here with you as well. I missed you last week, um, and I was doing the intervals in the heat of Denver. Yeah. But they went pretty well. That was the first week of doing aerobic threshold intervals for this block of training of our season salvation. Uh, was it week five? That yes. We were in? Week five. Yep. Yeah. Last week was week five. Um, it was good. I, my experience was interesting last week because. I was not using a power meter 
for the first time in years doing those particular intervals. Yeah, because you're on a new road bike, which we haven't equipped with a power meter yep. yet. Yeah. So it was really, it was different. Um, it wasn't bad. You know, I, it was, it was just different. I, I didn't have to, f you know, if my legs were tired, like they were on Friday, I told you that, um, I didn't have to like sort of beat myself up that my power was down. If it was down, I don't actually know, but I just, um, just focused on keeping my heart rate where it was supposed to be, which is not exceeding 80% of my max heart rate and just getting in like solid cardiovascular work. Right. And not like worrying about the, the watts. Now, overall, I like training with power way better, but it was an interesting ex experiment, basically, to, yeah. to do the, the intervals without a power meter. Yeah, you can definitely do all of our training without a power meter. It's yeah. definitely not a requirement. However, you learn a lot more and you can execute a lot more effectively with the power meter. Right. right? Now, this week, I'll be on my mountain bike while we do those intervals, so I get to see my power. However, the difference will be... Will be at altitude, so yes, yeah, that'll be a new twist to it. Yep. Um, so I was with my buddy on Friday, mm -hmm. Chris, and he did have a power meter. Okay. And we did. We were doing um, basically we did four by ten minutes is what it ended up being. Okay. Um, and I he wasn't really sure what he could do for his watts because he's in a much better shape than he's been in in a long time. Okay. That's the cool part. Yeah. He overshot that first one big time. And he did 270 watts for the 10 minutes. He averaged 270 watts. He knew it was going to go down a little bit, but it actually went down pretty significantly as he went. The second interval was 260. The third was 240. The fourth was 230. Okay. Well, now he knows. He can go home and average those. And the next time he tackles this workout, he can say, Started like... that power. Yeah, he, we were thinking, like, maybe, like, 245 for the first one next time. Yeah. And then see... And that is the beauty of a power meter. Like, your heart rate won't have quite gotten up to 80% when you first start. You're mm -hmm. fresh. Yep. And so now he knows. But it was kind of uh, interesting to, to watch him figure it out. First of all, he shot out the gate, basically. I was like, see you later. Yeah, because when you start an interval, your heart rate is always low because you have yet to mm -hmm. start to work hard. And then that is one of the drawbacks of training solely with heart rate is that your heart rate does lag. It has a lagging response mm -hmm. time. It's different for everybody, too. Young people, usually it, there's less of a lag. Older people or very aerobically fit people have a little bit more of a lag. Uh -huh. So it is very easy to like shoot out of the gate right? because you know, your heart rate is staying fairly low, but it does catch up and it pays, it catches up to you also over the course of the workout. Cause if you do too much right. in the first interval, then you're going to eventually you're going to be doing less later on. In yeah. I mean, didn't you, don't you think going from 270 to 230 is a pretty significant drop? Yeah, yeah. It, I do. So, if you have a power meter and you know how to pace well, um, all of these aerobic threshold intervals should be pretty close to one another as you go. It is normal for it to decline a little bit as right. you get fatigued. So in your case, if you're doing four times 10 minutes, that's 40 minutes worth of work. You know, maybe those last 10 minutes worth of work, give or take, you know, it, the power might come down a little bit because you're just getting a little more fatigued. And if you're doing them when it's hot out, you're, as your body temperature, core temperature rises, you have to basically slow down, which we talked about in our last podcast about training in the heat, episode 41. Um, and so you, you might have to slow down with that as well. Right. So, um, yeah. But in general, yeah, it should be a fairly small percentage. Yeah, of I think he decline. knows better for the, the next time. Yeah. It, it had been a while since he had done these. Right, right. 
Um, he's probably excited. He was excited. <laughs> he he looked amazingly strong. Cool. That part was cool. Yeah. What did you think about doing your aerobic threshold intervals up at altitude? Yeah, good question. So, big change. So we live, we live at about six thousand feet. That's sort of our normal training elevation. Probably, I mean, we usually start around six, and if we finish like, in the like the front range climb is like up to seventy five hundred feet, like kind of el- mm-hmm. uh, evergreen elevation. That's sort of our normal training. So here in Winter Park, I'm starting at nine thousand. And going up to eleven ish thousand. Oh, that's were, right. You and Tristan went up to the top of. Um, if you get to the top of the yeah, mountain, yeah, it was like eleven thousand. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's a pretty big change in elevation, um, and from everything I've read about elevation and how it affects your um, oxygen carrying abilities and things, it's it's not a linear slope of say going from sea level to 6,000 feet to say 12,000 feet. It's not linear, it's actually more exponential. So meaning going from 6,000 feet to 12,000 feet is has a greater impact than- The slope ex- yeah, goes up more sharply. Than from going from zero mm-hmm. to 6,000 feet. So as the higher you get, the more effect um, there is on a person and their oxygen carrying capabilities. And that, relates directly to your power output um, capabilities. So it was an interesting thing. So I was coming in, I mean, knowing we did this, a similar training block um, several months ago now and over the spring at my normal elevation, I was usually these intervals were kind of 280 to, let's say 270 to 290, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So I was expecting here being at significantly higher elevation that I'd probably be about 10% lower. thinking more kind of around like 250, 260 watts okay. um, at the same heart rate because that's how we train these is we target the heart rate and then just kind of see what the power does. Right. Um, and it ended up being a pretty accurate guess. I think the first two sessions, like Tuesday, Thursday, um, were kind of in that range. I even started out a little too hard on the first one because mm-hmm. it, it, I felt the same but the and the power was up there, but then it kind of declined as I went, so okay. similar to how Chris did it with you. Um, and, but what was interesting is as the week went on, and I'm attributing this to just sort of adapting to the elevation slowly, um, that by the Saturday workout, I was doing these intervals in like in the 280s. Oh my God, that's um, amazing. So more or less where I was doing them a few months ago at home and at lower elevation. Hmm. So, um, it's possible I'm, you know, quote unquote, more fit coming into this than I was a few months ago. Um, it's also possible I'm just like better, like I adapt well to altitude because historically I've never felt like I've had a big detriment at training or racing mm-hmm. at altitude. I mean, even growing up in, in the Phoenix area, it's a 2000 feet elevation outside of Phoenix and back way back then you know going to races in utah and colorado Mm -hmm. and you know flagstaff arizona you know things that are five six seven thousand feet it never i mean you always hear about people just complaining about altitude and whatnot we would hear it in our exterior time yeah i I just personally never felt that big of a issue with it like i'm not maybe putting out quite as much power but it was never like gasping i don't know maybe i'm just 
unique physiologically of, in terms of I don't know. I, I would also argue, and I, I saw this from years of observing the pros with whom you race in Xterra, like fussing when they come to Colorado to race. I just felt like if you don't fret about it, it's not that big of a deal. It's, yeah, like it's mental, basically. Yeah, just yeah. don't freaking fret about it. I mean, it. it is physiological. It is science. But to right. what effect it affects <laughs> I you, I think a lot of it's mental. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. But that was just my little it was always interesting. observation. Like, yeah. And my argument back in the day was, I'm thinking of when a couple of particular writers that were coming more from like the southeast mm-hmm. and... Um, they would complain when we'd have a race at five, 6,000 feet elevation, 7,000 feet elevation. And sure, that's true. But when we, Colorado athletes or dry climate athletes, have to go race in the southeast where it's hot and humid. Yeah, that was a struggle. We're at the same exact disadvantage as they are coming to the altitude. I mean, it's, it's, and we talked about this in the last episode. Oh, yeah, that, me dying in Maui. Yeah, heat and humidity. <laughs> I could not handle it. Yeah, I, I would argue it has more of an effect myself, but, um, but that's me. So yeah. I struggle more. I think I'm more sensitive to heat and humidity versus some people are maybe more sensitive to yeah. altitude. So, um, but at any rate, I was noticing some improvements like in a less than a week's time. So that's it'll be really, really interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. To see how it goes in theory, you know, spending three weeks at 9,000 feet elevation and training, um, I should produce more red blood cells. Um, I wish I had gotten, um, a blood test beforehand and then oh, that, would that would have been really cool just to see the hematocrit change experiment. um and then when i return home and we do our high intensity intervals in august it you know in theory i should be pretty darn Super strong human. for a few weeks at least yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for what reason there is none because we're not really racing but it's just kind of a fun little yeah. thing to be able to do and, and see so um uh yeah that's yeah, well, the other thing I wanted to talk about was me trying to get my mojo back on my mountain bike. Okay. Man, okay, so... Right, let me interrupt, because okay, for the last six weeks, we've basically been solely on our road bikes. We did our three-week exactly. road trip, which was just road biking, mm-hmm. and a little gravel, but basically road biking. And then even our recovery week, the week before last, I know I I don't think I got... I got my mountain bike out and cleaned and ready to go for mm-hmm. this trip, but... I didn't ride it. So it was at least over four weeks since I had been on a mountain bike. And I think well, I'll back up even further. Like, I haven't been on my mountain bike very much in two years because Cor- of my yeah. IT band injury in 2019. I'm losing track of the years. So yeah. We're in 2020. Okay. And you didn't get okay. to race. Or I ride didn't much race. At all last and so, year. and then when I did ride, I avoided the trails because I, I was afraid of the steep, what your dynamic trails. My, yeah. yeah. It turns out that's not what the problem was anyway, but I didn't know then. So, um, the, when we went to Arizona after Christmas this year, that was like a good block of training on my mountain bike. But you remember, I was like very anxious about going down there. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God. Like, I, do I know how to ride my mountain bike? Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out to be a fun week. It was great. And I was starting to get a feel for the trails again, but then we had winter back in Denver. We came home. So back on the trainer, back on the road bike. Mm -hmm. Then we go on our Pacific Northwest tour. I barely had ridden my mountain bike. Um, I did spend a Saturday when we got back over with my friend Christine Zimmerman at her local trails, tucked into Red Rocks, and they're they're difficult. They're twisty, technical, steep, steep. So many switchbacks that she's amazing at, and I used to be 
pretty decent at them. I could not do any of them. Okay. And it was demoralizing. And frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah, it was really frustrating. Um, I felt skittish. I felt awkward. I felt inadequate. It was just so hard. And I came home from that going, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know how to ride a mountain bike anymore. Okay, well, the good news is coming up to Winter Park helps me feel comfortable again. I really love these trails up here. Mm -hmm. We've ridden up here a lot. We've raced up here a lot. They kind of suit me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good climbing. There's something about, I like the technical aspects of these of these trails. So I guess my two cents are, my, my advice to anybody else that's like trying to find their mojo again on mountain biking trails. Go to trails that make you happy. Don't, don't go to your friend's trails that are scary. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. It just demoralizes you. Mm -hmm. You know, go to trails that are, are maybe easy, with. like like Bear Creek Lake Park right by our house. I've been going to those two. They're easy, and they make me feel confident again. Being up here um, on Wednesday when I came up to ride with you in the group, and then t yesterday when we rode for four hours, I felt like, oh, I can do this. I can ride my bike. Right. So anyway, I'm excited this week to get in the trail some more, get some of my confidence back. and Yeah, I think it'll be great. And I'll piggyback off that saying, even someone like myself who's been doing this for like mountain biking for 25 years right. or whatever, and taking a, a you know five weeks or so of not riding my mountain mm -hmm. bike, the first ride here, yeah, I felt not normal, you know, not at yeah. my best. You know, it was a little like, like you're just rusty. But it came back so quickly. Like each day I was just like, getting more and more comfortable, just smoother, smoother riding. And, um, yeah, I think coming to an area that you're familiar with, that you like to ride. Mm -hmm. uh, You've had a good experience. Yeah, it really accelerates uh, yeah. that. And, and it would go to someone new to mountain biking. Like, I know a lot of people that are triathletes or road bikers, you know, this year with no racing, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a mountain bike. I'm right. going to try it out. I've always maybe wanted to, but I haven't had the time. And now they are. And so speaking to those people, like picking up mountain biking for the first time, like, the more you ride, the more comfortable you're going to get. And, um, yeah, it's just a matter of getting comfortable, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I think by the end of this training camp or training yeah. week <laughs> with the team, you'll be back to your old self. So, um, well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I wanted, before we dive into the main topic, I wanted to talk about um, some things we're working on for next yeah, year. Yeah, we have a lot year. of things in the works. Yeah, so the whole coronavirus thing has thrown really everything, but the fitness industry in particular. Yeah, upside and our down. business model is is changing because of it. Right. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I think you've come up with some really good ideas, and we've been brainstorming some other ones. Yeah, some of the big ones are like our annual base builder program. That's going to probably have the biggest change of all of them, and we'll I'll save that maybe for next episode or the episode after to once you have that fully polished, but it's going to be quite a bit different than years past. Um, our redevelopment team is growing a lot, which is really exciting. That's kind of our most passionate area, I think, that yep. we're working on, um, helping the juniors and U23 riders improve. So we'll have a lot more to share on that coming soon as well. Uh, but one of the things I've been working on this last week was creating a training plan subscription-based service, I guess you'd call it, um, for our athletes that are training plan athletes. So up to this point thus far, we have created many training plans that are downloadable through Training Peaks, and you can purchase them, load them up on your calendar, follow them, and then when you're done with that plan, maybe move on to the next. So the classic 
way to go through it is you start with a base builder plan mm -hmm. that's 12 or 18 or 24 weeks. We have high and low volume versions and whatnot. You buy that, you go through that, and then depending on what your events are that you're training for, you pick your race prep plan, whether it's mountain bike or road bike or gravel, you know, if it's shorter distances, longer distances, whatever, and you do that, and then you kind of repeat process going through that. So with this training plan subscription idea is rather than buying these training plans a la carte, a la carte exactly, you can pay a smaller monthly fee and have access to all of our training plans that we have. Um, Which is really library. great if someone's like life changes unexpectedly. Exactly, and that's what spurred it, right? It's like this year, it's been everyone was on, you know, whatever base builder plan or the Leadville build up plan. Yeah, they or, knew what races they were going to do. And then, yeah, and then everything was just like chopped off yeah. when Corona hit. And, um, you know, what do we do? What do we do? So we created those aerobic threshold booster plans and the anaerobic threshold booster plans and now the season salvation plan. And as we did that, we had a lot of loyal followers that were like buying these plans as we went, which is awesome. Sorry, I got a little road noise in the background. But the idea just came to me like, maybe it would be better to offer just like a smaller monthly fee recurring. And then when things change in their life, they can change plans accordingly. So someone could be on a particular plan life changes for them and they change their mind and they say, oh, I'm just going to stop this plan and they haven't lost any money because they're on this subscription plan and they just ask to switch to a different plan. Exactly. So it's seamless. Just something changes, they want something different. They didn't lose their money, waste their money on a plan they're not going to use. Right. Exactly. So it's a smaller fee up front that you just pay monthly or, or an annual subscription and exactly that. You know, you just you have access to all our plans so you can listen into our podcast or email us with questions and set up your whole training season you know put together your base builder put together your race prep you know your peak for the first part of a season and how right. to do the second part of the season and if things happen in life where you got to change something or pause something you'd have that ability um, to do that so i'm pretty excited about it i'll put links in the show notes so okay. it's just like another option for people yeah people can still buy the plans a la carte through trading peaks yep. or they can check this out you you put a page up on the website describing how this works explaining the process and yep. they can do it that way yeah exactly so you know i think as this season 2020 you know starts to wind down because um, it doesn't seem like many events if any are going to happen depending on where you live Things are going to kind of maybe come to a little bit earlier close than normal for many people. Um, and then it'll be time, you know, September, October to take a little break and then start thinking about next year and rebuilding fitness that way. So um, I think the subscription program will really come in handy for a lot of people. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, maybe we'll move on to the, the main topic. Oh, actually, to interrupt myself, one <laughs> last little thing. We're on those following our season salvation plan. Uh, we're going into week six, which is the the second week of the aerobic threshold block. We talked in depth about this in the last episode, number 41. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to talk too much about it today. Um, but basically the intervals, the aerobic threshold intervals are getting either a little longer and or more minutes of them within the workout. So you're just getting, you're getting more aerobic threshold work right. this week. One thing yesterday on our, our ride that I found interesting is, um, well, on my schedule, I was supposed to do aerobic threshold intervals on Saturday and do an endurance ride yesterday, mm -hmm. but just things changed for the, in the week for me. So on Saturday, I ended up just doing a strength workout 
because I had a fun HOA meeting to go to. Um, and then, so yesterday, I basically combined the two rides. And right. that's okay to do sometimes, too. Yeah. And instead of doing, I think it was like six by ten minutes that was on the schedule, we were climbing up this trail in Winter Park called Tipperary Creek. And it, it didn't really make sense to, like, break them up. And I just did one giant 33-minute aerobic threshold yeah. interval. So And then just, another climb later, you'd... It was like 12 like minutes 12 and then 12 minutes, minutes for the, yeah. yeah. So that's fine as well. Like when you write those plans, it's a, it's it, like you said, have said before, it's for specifically for a trainer workout and you can make it, you can make that concept of the workout fit, whatever route you're on. Yeah. There's no magic to, uh, six, six by, by 10. 10 minutes, right? Six by 10 minutes is 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So in your case, it's like you collected a little over 30 minutes in the first interval, which mm-hmm. is great because you're feeling good the first interval. Yeah, typically. it was nice. And then you collected another 10 or 12 minutes and then yeah. another 15 minutes over here and the last one of eight minutes. So it was you great. got right in close to that 60 minutes, plus or minus, and, um, and, it, and it works. So you can certainly, anyone can certainly do that at any time. So if you're not a super strict, structured person and you have to get exactly like the six by 10 <laughs> minutes... That's totally fine. And, yeah. and in many cases, it's better because maybe it's more fun or, you know, doing them on a mountain bike. You were doing them on trails. It was really fun. Climbing. We, we yeah. threw off our buddy Darren, though, because he was behind you. He's like, oh, how long is this interval? We're like, oh, sorry, we didn't explain. We're just going to ride up this whole trail. Right. So um, so you can definitely do that, and it's a great way to do it. Yeah, it was it was really fun. And, and frankly, I just like being on my mountain bike better anyway for these intervals. and. Mm-hmm makes my back feel better. I like, I like the, it too. Yeah. I like the geometry of my mountain bike better and yeah. Plus I have the power meter. So it was great. Right. Right. Um, okay. Let's jump into sleep strategies. We have a lot we want to talk about. You've read two books on sleeping. Well, you're in the middle of the second book right now. No, I'm it? done with it. Oh, you are done. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's a very, um, important topic. It's a passion of yours. So, um, why don't you jump right into, well, explain the two books you read in case someone wants to read those books too. Yeah. So, well, before I do that, um, the way I look at it is pillars. There's three pillars of like health and performance. Um, diet being number one. Mm-hmm. The second one being movement or exercise or in our case training, um, and then sleep. Those are kind of the three things. Like if you can get those three things dialed in, your health and therefore your performance as a person and an athlete will improve. I mean, there's just no way around it. So. One thing I took away from the this recent book that I read is he said um, in there that sleep, basically the same thing. You got diet, movement, and sleep. And sleep is like the multiplier mm. of the diet and movement part, meaning get the diet right, get the movement right, but then everything you do better sleeping just like magnifies the effect of the diet and the movement. Oh, that part. is a really powerful way to look at it yeah so i guess you could say sleep is maybe maybe the most important one but at least has the most biggest impact i would say on health and performance well we've talked about this before especially related to your dad's health Mm -hmm. your dad is um in his late 70s he has 80 this year i think oh my god okay yeah and he's in very good health he but he doesn't have a particularly um active lifestyle anymore and he doesn't eat particularly amazing but the man sleeps a lot yes he's a great sleeper he's a great sleeper he (laughs) takes several naps a day he sleeps well at night and therefore 
He's in good health. He's healthy. Right? I know. It's yeah. pretty crazy. It kind of it multiplies what effort he's he, accomplishing he in diet good, yeah. and exercise. Yeah. Um, and make, making him seemingly healthier. So, uh, super important. But yeah, uh, the books. Um, well, the first book I read was Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, and we actually talked about it in a podcast a while ago because I read this over the winter. Okay. I think. Great book. It's he's a doctor, and he talks specifically like why we what happens while we're sleeping, why we're sleeping, why our body needs it. It's really fascinating. And then the more recent one I've read is called Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. And this one um, has a lot of like how to actually sleep better. So the first book, Why We Sleep, was like why to sleep, you know, the benefits and what's happening yeah, and why inside how. our brain and everything. And then the how. Yeah, so it was yeah. actually wasn't my intention but it was the perfect order yeah. of reading them so if if it is something you're interested in read why we sleep first and then read sleep smarter and you'll be better off so and i'll put um some links uh in the show notes too okay so yeah. people if they are interested in reading it they can find them more easily um so why do we why do we need to sleep yeah so i took some notes on this um you did like a book report <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting better at that um so why is sleep important First and foremost, sleep essentially regulates our hormone productions. So we've talked about hormones and the effects they have on our bodies as people and athletes, and it's super, super important. And I think it's it's an area of science and health that's like becoming more and more discovered and rel- studied. relevant yeah. and studied and put up as like the hierarchy hierarchy of importance. Um, and some of these hormones, the, probably the two main ones are human growth hormone. Um, it's how your body repairs itself. So super important for health, but also as an athlete for recovering. Um, and then the other hormone it affects is cortisol levels. And we've talked about cortisol in the past and the effect that sleeping helps decrease our cortisol levels. And they all just tie in directly to our health and our performance and just living a higher quality of, of life, essentially. Um, Sleep is also important because it establishes your circadian rhythm, which is that natural like sleep-wake cycle that we have. Mm-hmm. In general, as humans, we are intended to basically follow the pattern of the sun, meaning go to sleep when the sun goes down, wake up when the sun comes up. Um, and 15% of your DNA is controlled by your circadian rhythm. So what does that mean? Uh, well, essentially, so your DNA, I don't want to get, I'm not a scientist. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But basically your cells are replicating, they're following, your DNA is like the structure, the blueprints. Oh, so you need the circadian rhythm to flow well and for for your cells to to reproduce. Do what it's doing. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And and that. So it's just the importance of that circadian rhythm. Sleeping helps improve circadian rhythm. Got it. Circadian rhythm is essential in a large percentage of your DNA that helps with the cellular production okay. of that. <laughs> well, I, I just wasn't quite following your train of thought. Now that makes sense. Right. Um, okay. Can I jump back when yeah. you, I wasn't sure I was going to say this whole story, but you're talking about how sleep regulates the hormone production and increases your HGH, your human growth hormone. Mm-hmm. You know, we have twins and they're 17 and I've always, I was always so fascinated and still fascinated by their different sleep patterns when they were babies. Mm-hmm. Sophia, our mountain bike rider, she slept more than Noelle, her twin. Well, she was bigger when she was born by about a half a pound. 
she always slept like basically better and longer and longer yeah. and noel the smaller twin slept a little bit less and at, you know no sophia is just physically a little bit taller and a little bit stronger and i just believe and i think science would support the that that because she slept more she grew bigger and stronger it's true than, yeah. than noel and it's it's really quite fascinating because i watched it happen and I tried to get Noelle to sleep better and more, and it, it, it just didn't happen the same way. Yeah, she's more of the early bird. Yeah, it was just really interesting to watch. Yeah, it really is. I mean, sleep is so important. Yeah, uh, okay, so I, I di diverted a little bit, but I just wanted to say that part. Okay, so the regulating or improving your hormones mm -hmm. and establishing that circadian rhythm, yep. together those things help your health, which basically translates to simple things of like your immune system, your mm -hmm. immune function is improved. Well, um, it's simple, but super important. Super important. Yeah. You know, your skin looks better, feels better. Um, you can maintain more of a youthful appearance, right? So that's important to us. Now we're in our forties. We want to <laughs> keep looking as young as possible. Um, also your cognitive ability. So your ability to think, um, you know, a lot of it, they've done a lot of studies comparing uh, drinking alcohol versus uh, a reduction in sleep mm -hmm. or like... Um, it's very similar results. Sleep starvation. If yeah. you don't get enough sleep, you, it's you, like you're your brain is drunk. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so to improve your cognitive ability. Um, and then also things around weight management, body composition, um, weight gain, things of that nature are tied directly into our hormones and circadian rhythm. Um, tissue repair and recovery, which we've talked about. And then all of that leads to physical performance. You know, the more balanced your hormones are, better your circadian rhythm, your physical performance goes up as well. So um, another little saying I picked up out of this recent book that really kind of made sense to me was that like being awake is catabolic in nature, meaning it's breaking our bodies down when we're out living our lives. We're, we're breaking our bodies down. This is also true when we're training, right? Training is catabolic. Um, you're, you're breaking down your muscles, literally. Um, then sleeping is anabolic. That's when our body gets to stop, lay down, you go to sleep, it recovers and Restores. builds itself up. Yeah, and, and is anabolic. So, uh, you know, being, so awake, being awake is catabolic, sleeping is anabolic. Right, yeah, right. That's, that's really so if you cool. think of it in that nature, it makes sense of from a performance standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, you want to sleep so you can grow stronger. Um, without good sleep, there's all kinds of problems going on. Um, lowered cognitive ability, which we just talked about. It, essentially, you're just dumber <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get enough sleep. Uh, and we've all felt that, like, if we're super, super tired. Oh, yeah. Out, like, I've we had can't think of what a couple a times a month I have a poor night's sleep, and then I, I, I do feel dumb. I feel sluggish. I feel... I feel gross and I just feel dumb. I can't get even, even finish a sentence. Yeah. Um, lack of sleep or lack of quality of sleep also um, leads to low quality carbohydrate cravings. Um, and what's going on there, and we've, I'm sure most of us have experienced this before, is that your brain lives on glucose. And if you're not getting enough sleep, your brain needs more of the glucose to, to fuel itself because it's it's awake more and, and you're asking it to work or function more. Oh, right. So then your... 
You're craving you're more craving of that these simple sugars, sugars and yeah, and, and simple starchy foods. You know, I've the, definitely all the snack foods that. and stuff. So when you have those kind of cravings, often it's because you're lacking sleep. Like your brain is getting tired and it's saying, "Feed me," um, and that obviously can lead to other metabolic issues and weight gain and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then other things like they're figuring out that like Alzheimer's is contributed directly to sleep quality, um, various cardiovascular diseases, metabolic diseases, um, like, uh, um, totally brain farting. Diabetes? Yeah, diabetes. <laughs> um, and obesity. That was a and fun even, game. I get to guess what you're thinking. <laughs> and even cancer is being, they're being like relate, related well, yeah, to Well, yeah, I definitely see the cancer sleep. one because your cells aren't able to repair themselves, um, and then they're just breaking down and not restoring themselves, and so that leads to cancer. Right, and and multiplying the bad the ma- cells, the, the re- malignant cells, replicating the bad cells yeah. and not sloughing them off. Right, so there's a lot of, of negatives that come. Yeah, with it there too. are. So if 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 you are proud of yourself uh, for only getting by on six hours of sleep, like that, you're doing yourself a massive yeah for disservice sure. of. I think that's a strange phenomena in our in our American culture that people think they are cool <laughs> if they don't sleep. Or like hard work, more hard yeah, work. Yeah, it's somehow tied, it's not, those people are not assholes, it's just that they're <laughs> somehow tied, in, well some of them are, but it's somehow tied into like our culture of like work hard, work hard, work hard, and if you don't work hard you're lazy, so if you sleep m- more then you're lazy, and that's not true. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's a switch that needs to happen in our culture, that, that sleep is valued, recreation is valued, leisure is valued so we have more balance in our life and that we're um restoring our health right well think of it this way too if you sleep more and get good quality sleep you are improving your immune system and your health so you're gonna have less sick days at work you're going to be cognitively superior so you're going to be more productive yeah and more efficient and more efficient at work so right it only makes sense to make to really emphasize sleep so you actually are more productive. I, I agree. So, uh, All right, I got on my soapbox for a second. Right. <laughs> Try to jump back down. Um, so quantity is important. You know, most people have heard, you know, you're supposed to get eight or more hours of sleep a day. A lot of people scoff at that and, like, think, oh, that would be a dream. But um, honestly, that's, like, eight hours is kind of the minimum. And, mm-hmm. you know, more is it can be better. But even what's more important is the quality of that sleep that you're getting to in fact to a point where it's possible it's better to get according to this book and this author you know six hours six or seven hours of super good quality sleep versus eight or nine hours of not so good quality sleep sleep that's been disrupted by many variables which we'll talk about coming up here so it is a both you need quantity but the quality is perhaps as bit or more important than the, the actual quantity um and the last little takeaway that I think is so true and everyone should kind of hear this and get this concept is like reframing this idea of sleep being like an obstacle in our life and something we have to like work around and then we have to get the sleep and it's like interfering with our life. And instead think of it as sleep is something that you like get to do. It's like a privilege and right. something to actually work on and work to improve yourself and your ability to sleep. And everything. Well, this ties into what I was just talking about, and I personally have struggled with this. That 
if I'm not being productive, I think this is like my German Midwest upbringing, that if I'm not being productive, then um, that's bad. So like being asleep, I'm not being productive. And <laughs> and so I have to like keep doing chores and yeah. things until nine o'clock at night. And, and that's not true. Like right. I, I need to allow myself to stop doing you know, chores or work at yeah. five or six o'clock and have some leisure, have some recreation, have some me time, have some family time. And then like embrace uh, the, the, uh, yeah, going to sleep. Yeah. Going to bed is a good thing. Not We're not a, machines. You can't keep right. going endlessly. Yeah, but some, it's how I was sort of raised too, or it's a way you look at being productive versus lazy. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's my Midwest upbringing. I don't think you had that in Arizona. No, uh, I feel like I'm fortunate. I mean, growing up, none of my parents were really late night people, which I yeah. feel very fortunate about that because that sets an example to young people of like staying up late. So I never had a problem with the idea of going to bed, quote, early, you know. Um, and then also growing up in a on a horse farm, it was uh, all about getting yeah. up early. I mean, right. I had chores. I had to go feed 50 head of horse, you know, in uh, middle school and high school aged me before school every day. So I was getting up. You're such a good boy. <laughs> setting an alarm and getting up yeah. earlier and taking care of that and then going off to school. And um, But it set a good pattern in my life, yeah. which I'm grateful for. And um, I forget where we were going. I don't know. We're talking it about was, our... Well, actually, this is an interesting kind of side trail, like talking about how we view sleep and how we are raised. Um, and, but don't let me confuse everybody. Like, I have never been someone that, like, wanted to stay up late. I was the kid at slumber parties that would, like, yell at everyone by 12 or 1 <laughs> o'clock to go to bed and be quiet, which that was really annoying, I'm sure. I've never all ever in my life, except for the two times I birthed babies, stayed up all night. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, which I tell people that they're like, what in college, you never stayed up all night. Like, no freaking way. Like <laughs> there's no way I could write a paper at three in the morning. I would like be head bobbing at the computer. <laughs> yeah. The quality. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I definitely have always needed my sleep, but I just have some other weird stuff wrapped around, like just winding down and, and whatnot. Right. Right. So yeah, long story short, you know, op sleep is not an obstacle. It's something you should work strive to you know improve yeah. in your life and maximize so that's what we're going to here is how to some tips and strategies i guess of how to improve okay. one's sleep kind of what i pulled out of this book so um one of the big ones um especially pertaining to setting your resetting your circadian rhythm is getting more sunlight i love this one yeah this is a good one um and the the first book i read why we sleep talked a lot about this as well about the circadian rhythm and how sunlight plays an effect and and i've not to get too sidetracked again but like my mantra has always been somewhat jokingly but it's like i as soon as the sun goes down i'm ready for bed <laughs> I know, <laughs> and that can be quite early in the i winter. know in the winter time it's five o'clock you're yawning and yeah i can't i'm my production ability is down so it's like gone. what else am i gonna do i'll go stretch and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> um and then when the sun comes up, I'm ready to get up. So yep. in the summer, that's sort of annoying because sometimes it's like 5.30 in the morning. I'm like ready to go. But I would actually like to sleep for another hour, but mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. So, you know, I'm in tune with that. And um, I think it's like a huge key. And and to go off on a slightly other tangent of like, you know, when the invention of the light bulb was created, 
Right. It, it kind of screwed up. everybody up. Right. Yeah. I mean, as great as it is, and as much as we do need it, it sort of screwed up everyone's health, to be honest. Because prior to that, that's what people did. They were asleep within an hour of the sun setting, and they were up shortly after the sun rising. But now we have, like, endless hours of light at our disposal. disposal. People tend to abuse that yeah. and not really put that together. Well, they don't even think about it, because it's normal. Light yeah. bulbs are normal, and they might think it's even weird we're talking about it, but I think it's a fascinating concept. Yeah, I love it. Because our bodies are de designed, you know, nature creates things for a purpose, to be the best that they can be. And then mm -hmm. when we as humans try to improve that, whether it's creating a light bulb so we can work into the wee hours of the night or creating, you know, margarine because it's, quote, healthier than butter or, <laughs> you know... We can't outsmart nature. We you need to get back into tune with nature. But anyway, I'll get off my So get box. more sunlight. <laughs> so I do this every morning by walking the dogs for 15 minutes. Uh, that works great. Yes. I'm sort of forced to get more sunlight. And I need all the help I can get to sleep better at night. So this is wonderful for me. Right. You like to sit in the front room or outside when it's warm outside. Um, and you let the sun come through the, the window. Yeah, I drink and my coffee, yep. read my emails like in the morning um, with the sun... I might put a hat on so it's not like literally right in my eyes, but the sun is in, in right in me on my face. Um, We've even gotten our older daughter, our oldest daughter, Emma, to buy into this and at least take her water and toast out in the morning into the like the driveway area where the sun's yeah. coming and, and reset her circadian rhythm. Right. It's extremely important. And they're, f they're figuring out that it, it's really in the morning between the hours of like 6 and 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. is, is the most critical time. It resets your circadian rhythm more effectively and it um, begins the, see if I get this right, it, it improves your ability to produce melatonin. I think it's the sunlight in the morning is producing serotonin, which is the precursor for the melatonin later. That, okay. That's what makes you tired. Um, so that it's like a given... Um, take thing there hmm. so those early morning hours between 6 and 9 a.m. approximately you want to try to get like 20 to 30 minutes worth of, of sunlight so yeah like you said walk, walk go take your dog for a walk in the morning go sit outside and drink your coffee in the morning um, do those sorts of things yeah over the winter I was sitting in our front room you get sunlight through the, the front window and so I could get the sun on me even though it was too cold outside to really be outside comfortably um, that's not as ideal as being outside, but it's better than, than nothing. So, um, And one other little thing was uh, that most people could do is minimize um, sunglasses during the day as yeah. well. So not necessarily when you're training, like riding your bike, you need them for protection. But when you're just outside, I became a creature of habit, and I think you have too, where like, we just always had our sunglasses on. Right, and right. making that effort of, like, taking them off. You know, if you need them to drive safely, take, you know, wear them. Well, but. I'll go back to the dog walking. Like, this morning, I made myself go outside for 15 minutes with the dogs with, without my sunglasses. And I don't really like it. It kind of makes me squint and gives me a, more like a fear of a headache. But um, I'm working on increasing my ability to be outside without more sunglasses. That, yeah, more of the direct light exposure is key. I have fragile Caucasian blue eyes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have the brown eyes. Yeah, that does help, they um, do say. But so more sunlight was a, a big okay. one, especially in the morning hours. All right. Um, Number two. Avoiding screens, especially yeah, in the evening. Everyone knows Everyone kind of knows this, but few of us live by it. Basically, the, the issue is the blue light that's emitted from our phones, tablets, TVs, things of that nature. These blue light waves have been proven to be disruptive to our sleep quality. 
um, as a side note, red light waves are the least disruptive. So that's why often alarm clocks have the red lights, um, which is, I never put that together before. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, so they, they figured this out and they're trying to help us. But avoid that blue light um, in the evenings. Um, basically, they're saying that the key time to be done with the blue light is about an hour and a half to two hours before you plan to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So for most people, that's probably about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. You should put the phones down, the tablets down. And even turn off the TV? Even turn off the Oof. TV. Um, and even go as far as in this book, they were saying like you can change your light bulbs to emit better levels of light. Um, it got kind of technical and like the <laughs> megahertz of the light waves and all these things, but um, they were changing light bulbs and wearing blue block blocking sunglasses like around the house, um, okay. which is pretty extreme, but you know, if you want to sleep better, maybe it would help. Yeah, it is extreme. I think if anyone could at least avoid um, the phone in their face, like maybe you have a TV show that you're watching. I think that's a little bit better, like especially it's if the farther TV is away. farther yeah. away. Because um, we don't, let's, you know, not everyone's going to get extreme, but just the phone right in your face is a yeah. is a pretty obvious factor of keeping you awake. Absolutely. Um, and also like kind of what you watch too. Like I can't watch stressful things. I don't like to watch stressful things right. anyway. And that but, was one of the tips. Was... Right, but like I need more like a a comedy or like a feel good drama at nighttime. I don't, don't put on like a fast and furious movie or a born. Yeah. And stop Mission scrolling Impossible. through social media and stop looking at emails, things that could possibly either get you Riled excited, up. like in a positive or negative way or angry or disappointed or worried or, you know, anything that will get you thinking about something as you're right. trying to not think about things as you go to sleep. So um, so avoiding that is all important. And, you know, they've left it, they've kind of finished it with like, let's, you know, go back and read, like read a book or have a conversation with somebody. What? Or, yeah. <laughs> That'll Wait, lead to, to relaxation read. and improve sleep uh, quality that way too. So avoid those screens. This is a big one with the teenagers. I know. And we can't seem to get through the, our kids about it. Yeah. But Set a time, like 8 o'clock, put the phone away. And I, yeah, I really wish they would. It upsets me. And in the book, too, not to get hammered this too much, but they went even further into things like you shouldn't have these devices, like, next to you, like, on your bedside. They should be, like, in a different room because of, like, the emissions of things being given off. And it got pretty technical and, and out there to some degree. But, I, you know, if, if, if you're having trouble sleeping, getting good quality, maybe taking these more radical steps could help. Um, okay, beverages, specifically caffeine and alcohol. I think, again, everyone is aware of these things. Um, some tips were, you know, caffeine, no caffeine after 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, and why is that? The issue here is caffeine has a half-life of about six hours for most people, meaning if you drink caffeine, it takes six hours until half of that effect of the caffeine is out of your system. And then it's going to another six hours till the half of that half. So 12 hours later, you still have a quarter of whatever caffeine you consumed. Well, people swear they can drink coffee at 9 o'clock at night and go to sleep. Right. And they maybe they can, but they don't know what the quality of that sleep right. is. That's the takeaway here. It's like, and, and same for alcohol. I mean, a lot of people joke, like, they get kind of buzzed a little bit and like, oh, I'm going to sleep good tonight. Well, you may fall asleep pretty quickly. Right. But you're not going to sleep good. Well, that has been, that's like part of my story. Like I was never a drinker in, in my 
teenage years, my 20s, but when I got divorced in my early 30s, it was sort of a tough time and I got in bad habits of drinking too much wine at night and then it became like a habit of I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. That's what I was telling myself right. unless I drink this. And I think that's pretty common. It's been really hard to change that habit because um, I think I would sleep pretty well for a couple hours and then 2 o'clock my liver's purging the alcohol, I wake up. And then I'm struggling to sleep well after that. Yeah. Yeah. So with the alcohol, they in the book they were saying three, you know, cut it off three hours before bed. Yeah. It helps you like process some of it and get some of it out. But alcohol disrupts the REM sleep, which is the quality sleep. Right. Um. In in the in the circadian rhythm. Um. And then one last little note on caffeine. So. Cortisol levels and circadian rhythm are connected. We briefly talked about that. What's happening is when you wake up in the morning, you're your cortisol levels rise, which is actually part of why you wake up. Your body heat, your core temperature increases, cortisol is involved with that, you wake up. Then the lowest point of cortisol in your body is when it's time to go to bed, so it helps you go to sleep, and your core temp drops as well. So when you drink caffeine, it's artificially raising cortisol levels, Mm. which is why caffeine or, or coffee in particular, I guess tea, why we tend to make this like this morning beverage, right? Because it's, it's increasing our cortisol levels, helping us, quote, wake up. Right. <clears throat> but if you're drinking coffee, large amounts of it, or caffeine, I should say, more specifically, um, late, especially later in the day, it just takes longer to get it out of your system, and it, it delays the time for that cortisol to come down in the evening mm. when you want to go to sleep, keeps cortisol levels up, and body temperatures involved with that too and you just can't go to sleep as easily and it affects that circadian rhythm which then affects the quality of your sleep it's all about like the flow your body should be in and it disrupts the flow yeah exactly exactly all right some tips on improving that quality um a big one is body temperature so that was a good segue keeping cool um they've discovered the optimal temperature for sleeping is between 60 and 68 degrees, which is a pretty big range. <laughs> so anyone without air conditioning is screwed. Yeah, and and the author joked about that in the book, that when he was a kid, his parents were super cheap and <laughs> wouldn't run air conditioning, and so it was, that was like... My, those were my parents. Yeah, he was like sweating in bed as a kid and couldn't sleep. <laughs> Poor guy. Like um, summer camp, that was my memory, like just laying on top of my sleeping bag dying. Right, right. So 60 to 68, that's a pretty big range. I know for me, 68 would still feel really hot. I think for you too. Yeah, I like it colder. We keep ours, like, we try to, well in the summer we can't always get it quite that low because we're... Well, sometimes you're being cheap too and you don't want to run, run the air Right. <laughs> so, but in the winter, we'll set it at like 62. And have the door cracked. Yeah, and have the door cracked for some fresh air. Um, but keep that temperature at least in your bedroom if not throughout your whole house Mm -hmm. at least in your bedroom so you can maybe consider getting um like a small air conditioning unit that keeps just your bedroom cooler a ceiling fan helps to circulate air that can help yeah um so body temperature drops at night to sleep we already talked about that and then rises with cortisol in the morning to wake up um one strategy that i thought was interesting because it doesn't make sense when you first hear it but is if you take a warm bath about an hour or so before bed um, can help l- bring your core temperature down. Because what? when you get out of the bath and you dry off the the the, the like air artif- temperature, well, no, it's the artificial rays of the warm bath then produces like a quick drop off, and subsequently your b- core temperature ends up lower. Oh, it's that sort is of strange. Yeah, well, it's a similar idea to 
drinking a warm beverage in a hot environment makes oh, you cool. I have heard that as well. Yeah, same, similar concept. So, so you're jolting your body's temperature and then it like quickly regulates itself? Yeah, it'll go up and then it's like, oh, we're getting too warm. Let's bring it back down oh, and then maybe it brings okay. it a little lower than, than normal. So something to try. Then there's also like cooling mattresses or pads, mattress pads. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of things on like Instagram ads for stuff like that that <laughs> blow like cold air. Or, you know, somehow they cool your mattress that can help drop the core temperature. Um, and then it's also why often for many people it's hard to fall asleep after an evening workout because you've right. raised I your body temperature very difficult. working out yeah so you know if that's you if you have trouble falling asleep try not to work out in the evening work out more in the morning or at least midday um and you might be able to improve your sleep quality. right right um well this was a big one take home for me was the highest quality sleep time window is determined to be between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So those four hours of the day or night um, are when you get the highest quality. And when they say highest quality, you're getting the most, the likeliness of the most REM minutes um, and also human growth hormone secretion in the body in in that time frame. So that means getting to sleep somewhere between 9 and 11 uh, obviously, if you can get to sleep by 9, you're going to hit all of that. And even if you get to sleep by as late as 11, you're still getting a good amount of that mm-hmm. 10 to 2 window, um, depending on the person. Um, sleep cycles occur roughly every 90 minutes within the human body between the non-REM and the REM. Um, and most people get somewhere between 4 and 6 of those cycles a night. More is better. Um, and maximizing that 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. window gets you, you know, most of those benefits. So if you can get most of your cycles in that window. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, and it comes really down to early to rise. What, what was or, the old Early saying? to bed, early, early to, to rise. Makes man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I mean, early to rise helps significantly because, one, you can get your morning sunlight. Um you get the good sleep window because you're going to go to bed earlier. If you mm-hmm. get up earlier, you typically want to go to bed earlier and it gets your circadian rhythm yeah. like really synced in with that. So going, you know, getting up early is typically more healthful than not getting up early for people. Um, and then the last thing, and I think a lot of people are aware of this, like staying consistent with your sleep pattern seven days a week, Right. not falling into that trap of like, you know, getting minimal sleep through the work week and then trying to quote catch up on the weekends by yeah. sleeping in or whatever it the studies show it does not work it's um, definitely not ideal it, yeah and it screws up your circadian rhythm because your body wants this flowing pattern like we talked about and yeah. if you screw it up two out of the seven days of the week you know you're it's hard to stay on that that cycle so I feel better if I'm on a pattern. Like, yeah. Even when I was a teenager and would do a sleepover on a Friday or Saturday night, and when to go, you know, if we go to bed at a one, we'd probably sleep until ten or eleven. But it just it never felt the same. I still felt kind of crappy the rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. And it takes several days to where your body kind of can readjust that circadian right. rhythm. So. I think um, everybody's experienced that. Yeah. So that's super key. Um, another one uh, area of improving your sleep is dealing with your gut microbiome. Another passionate topic. I'm very of passionate yours. about this topic, and we'll talk more about that in a future podcast. But your gut microbiome, or that healthy bacteria in your guts, um, 
that does so much for you. I mean, they're calling it the second brain nowadays. Um, but it has a heavy, heavy effect on hormones, probably second to sleep, um, and also the melatonin production in our bodies. Um, so avoiding processed foods that feed the bad bacteria mm -hmm. is something that everyone needs to do, um, not just for better sleep, but just better health. Um, increasing plant foods for more fiber, and also the vitamins and minerals that come along with that. Because um, there's a lot of there's a lot in the book about specific like vitamins and minerals that can contribute to improved sleep. Um, the biggest one I pulled out was uh, magnesium. Mm -hmm. And you had some health guru tell you yeah, to take magnesium. I have heard once. this, and I haven't researched it as thoroughly as you have. But um, that when you were talking about it the other day with that lotion you just purchased that had mm -hmm. magnesium, I was like, oh, that. That is true. I have heard that as well. And I had this like magnesium, like a, like like an a, extract, an extract yeah. and I've struggled to consume it because I didn't like the taste of it mm -hmm. and I sort of gave up on it, but I need to revisit that because I think that would help me. Yeah. Magnesium seems to play a huge role in our sleep quality and circadian rhythm cycles. Um, and there are different ways like extracts and, and pills. Um, but more effectively is actually getting it through your skin. Mm, um, okay. so that's where the lotion comes in. And this book recommended a magnesium lotion that I ended up buying just because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to try it. Um, I've only tried it for six days now, so I can't say too much on it yet, but um, I figured why not. And then um, Epsom salt baths, which a lot of athletes are familiar and with. And I love them, and maybe that would kill two birds with one stone, that you take your warm your bath, bath. Yeah, exactly. And then you got to absorb the magnesium through your skin. Right. Um, oh, okay, I might do help. more of that. And not only do you sleep better, but they, you know, it helps kind of aches and pains and things like that. Too, yeah, so I actually it. love them. So the trick there is you have to keep your bathtub clean so you can take an Epsom salt bath. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who wants to take <laughs> a bath disgusting. in a dirty tub? That's gross. Um, but yeah, and then lastly, for microbiome enhancement, you know, doing everything you possibly can if you can is going organic, free range, grass fed, locally grown, you know, getting the most nutrient dense foods possible right. is a super key thing. So we'll talk more about that side of things maybe in a future okay, podcast. Let's, but, let's um, go on with that. Cool. Um, so the, your bedroom specifically, um, the author was saying like, make this your sleep sanctuary, mm -hmm. you know, do everything you can to make your bedroom like this special place where you go to sleep. Um, in fact, he, he says that uh, the only things you really should do in your bedroom is sleep or some sexy time. <laughs> um, okay. Nate, cover your ears. <laughs> what you don't want to do in your bedroom is Work. sit on your computer yeah. or answer emails, you know, scroll through social media or watch TV, um, which a lot of people do. Yeah, we have too. We've we've watched shows in our bed. Right. The, the more you can minimize that right. um, and make your bedroom the place you go to sleep then it becomes like this habitual thing of like, I'm in this room where I'm going to sleep. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's like, make it that special place. It, you know, I'm not much of a home decorator, but you, you know, everyone could put like soothing, um, pictures on the wall or like a pretty bedspread, uh, just to make it feel really special and homey and yeah. comfortable in your bedroom. Yeah. There's studies that I forget what, that like painting your walls in your bedroom is like blue or something makes you or purple. But like, oh, I, I don't remember. Um, helps with that. Yeah. And other <clears throat> things you can do too is, uh, in this book, uh, air ionizers mm -hmm. with something that kind of cleans the air and helps yeah, you. I've been interested in finding out more about those. Yeah. I'd like to learn a little bit more about them myself. 
humidifiers are mm-hmm. often a positive thing because the moisture um, that they put in there helps the sleep patterning. Um, house plants in your bedroom are always great too for the basically cleaning the air, emitting oxygen and, and, and doing its thing with photosynthesis and all that stuff. Um, and then another big one, and most people are aware of this, is like getting your room super dark. Right. It's key. Um, our daughter, Noelle, is like moronic about this. Of like, <laughs> She won't even close her like no, window blinds. It's the weirdest thing. I, I go in there sometimes in the middle of the night if I woke up and I like, close her blinds for her. Yeah. So it's like do anything and everything you can to get your room as Literally, he, he says, optimally, you want to, like, not be able to see your hand in front of your face. Oh, you I, that like would that be dark. a dream. Um, but we, we do have, like, uh, shades and then, like, really thick curtains, and so it gets fairly dark in there. Yeah. But I, I could even handle it being darker. I could go a little darker, too, so yeah. I'll have to figure out how to do that. And one of the main reasons I found this super interesting is that, because a lot of people will say, well, just wear an eye mask, and that's better than nothing. Um, but the reason you want your room super dark is because our skin has light receptors on it and as soon as um the like basically the sun photons you know the light comes in mm. and hits our skin that is wild it, it sounds triggers like, us to wake up si- like it sounds like a science fiction movie <laughs> and it's true it's true right so that's why it's so key to mm-hmm. block out those win the windows as best as you possibly can so you don't get the sunlight coming in okay and getting on your skin and that essentially wakes you up so um that, that one's a big one I, I found really fascinating. And then lastly, um, body and mind work. And this starts to get a little more new agey <laughs> than that I was... <laughs> so have a masseuse really come going. to your house every night and give you a massage before bed? Ideally, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. we've had massages. Anyone who's had massage in the past, like, how tired are you after the massage? Oh, I totally. And right. how well do you sleep usually the, that night? I mean, it's usually a great night of sleep, right? Right. So, but massages obviously cost money and take time and all that sort of thing. Um, but things is, you know, stretching, foam rolling, um, you know, those sorts of like things. Like a 10-minute yoga, yoga routine before yeah, bed. Yeah, help you relax. I think um, our friend Tom Miser is very good about doing yeah. that. Well, and another one along the same line with the mind work was meditation. And this is definitely more new agey and not something I'm super familiar with, but is gaining traction and, and yeah our friend Tom is big into that um and just being able to like clear your mind even if it's like five or ten minutes you know before bed or you know I don't know a ton about it but I do know and it makes sense to me that it would be practical well, I work. I could definitely benefit from this and I've for some reason resisted it for years but I I know I should figure out how to meditate more and clear my mind because I tend to be an anxious person and I can get obsessed with things before bed so yeah I should, really should do this I think it would make a I think someone that tends to be more anxious like like you do would make a huge benefit, I know for sure so you know I could use your help get past the the new aging well, it's not that it, I don't know what my deal is with it so well you're always opposed to the goal setting when we get to I don't, the goal I know, setting I have episodes. some weird shit from my childhood <laughs> so maybe you could maybe you could just help me if like you would you would say stuff. let's do like a five minute meditation thing I would be happy to do it with right. you I'll get I'll, my next book okay. will be on how to meditate we'll, okay let's do it we'll figure it out I'm not making any promises but, <laughs> well you better um but yeah so those are all really good things if you like some of the ideas here, I highly recommend that book, um, Sleep Smarter. Sean Stevenson is the author. Um, it's actually a super entertaining read. Um, yeah, you said that. It's not real science per se, although there was some stuff in there, but 
I enjoyed reading it. Okay. Um, I didn't have to like force myself to read it. Um, so check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. But I mean, bottom line is the better we can sleep, the more healthful we're going to become, the more healthful we become, yeah. the better our performance is. And well, Cody, I think you did a wonderful book report. I'm going to give you an A+. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, cool. Well, maybe we'll just sort of leave it yeah, at that. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, you'll have some links to also join our season salvation plan if anyone wants to jump in. Still jump in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a it's just really helpful to have a plan. Yeah, so it's you three months. stay motivated to ride your bike. And yeah, of structured training. So if you were to start it now, towards the end of July, it would take you through August, close to the end of October. Okay. You know, um, and just getting through the summer, the end of summer here is going to be, just enjoy yourself, I guess, as best as you can there. Um, planning ahead to the future, um, with race season not really happening, you know, we're you and I and our team and people we're working with will probably take September um, as a recovery month, so to speak. Like, okay. you know, a couple of weeks completely off and then some downtime and then start rebuilding for next year in October. So just to throw some timelines out there. But if people are still holding on for cyclocross, maybe happening, you know, I don't know that it well, will. Well, it might. We, maybe we just don't know stuff. yet. Yeah. Um, but things to to think about and then um yeah if you like our show please uh give us a rating and review on apple i what's it called apple i <laughs> itunes itunes yeah. i podcast or something i don't know, I don't know. Um, um but on the apple platform yeah um, that'd be great it really does reviews. help our our search functionality um and you'll have links and we and there's a discount too i forgot to mention that for the season salvation plan it takes the normal price of 99 dollars down to uh, 48 which is four four bucks a week yeah it's pretty affordable and you also are offering the 29 dollar volume personalization add-on so right that's something to take advantage of too basically you get like a, a coach for 29 bucks right right um or get on our new subscription program that's true that's true great too. Um, that's like 25 bucks a month so uh, yeah you'll have options. links all right well <laughs> thank you for listening Look for more information in the show notes. If you have any questions, send Cody an email at Cody, C-O-D-Y, at teamweight.com. Or Kathy Oh, let's be Kathy honest. Kathy with a K at teamweight.com. Let's be honest. Everyone emails you. Um, but if you want to like tell me your weird shit from childhood, too, you can send me an email. <laughs> That's more what I, what I talk about. Um, okay. Well, we are going to be busy riding up at Winter Park all week. We hope you all get some good rides in, too, and enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks Take for care. listening. Bye.